Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, this seems a little weird. I'm actually starting Q&A since uh, Tracy ended the service for us. If you have a, a question from today's service as we looked at John chapter 4 and Jesus' uh, conversation with the woman at the well, the number that you can test that question to is on the screen in front of you there. And it's just a, a good reminder every week for us to remember that if we have a question uh, that we're wondering about, it's probably a question that somebody else is wondering uh, uh, as well. And so uh, I invite you to text that in. Tracy has made her fastest run ever, Olympic personal best to run from the run. South Auditorium. Thank you for running. I saw Jimmy. I was like, make sure you tell Doug I ran. <laughs> All right. So we're back to normal now. The questioner in the right place. And so uh, I was simply saying, if you have a question, really don't hesitate to send it in or wait or even wait. Uh, We'll answer them now. And sometimes we do an extra Q&A based on questions that we get that we didn't get to. So if you have a question, never hesitate to ask. We actually really love them. We do. That's awesome. Well, we've got some. We'll go ahead and get rolling and wait for some more to come in. Okay, good. Um, First question here, what's the difference between fear and weakness? Fear and weakness. Hmm. Uh, Well, thinking from the text, uh, the woman was probably afraid. I would Um, assume so. Yeah, she was probably afraid to really disclose what she discovered that Jesus already knew. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why she kind of went and said, I didn't have a husband. She didn't admit that she was living with a man. She didn't admit she had had five. So uh, there's fear. And then there's weakness. Um, I guess we might say that all of us have weaknesses. I'm trying to mm-hmm. transfer the, the question uh, to, the, to the, text. the text. We all have weakness in the sense of sins we struggle with. Sure. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So what would be the difference between fear and weakness? Um, I would say this. Fear is actually... Um, something we feel that we don't have to yield to. I remember when my kids went to an old place called Strickland's, I said, there's going to be some real high dives there and you're going to stand up there and you're going to be afraid, but you don't have to be controlled by that fear. You can still jump. It's that's, I promise you, you won't get hurt. Weakness uh, doesn't have to be a feeling. Weakness may be a genuine reality. If it's sure. um, if the need is for me to lift a car, I'm weak. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it doesn't matter what I feel. I probably can't lift that car. So fear is a feeling. I don't have to be controlled by weakness. Is a reality that unless there's a greater reality involved, I need to learn to. Uh, recognize that reality, and then, as we've talked in recent weeks, to to live according to a greater reality. But that would be the difference. One's a feeling, one's a reality. Hmm, I think it's a good differentiation. <clears throat> yeah, because um, some people, uh, I, I don't want, 
it was important for me. I shouldn't say I don't want people. It was an important step in my own journey with the Lord that I didn't have to think, I need to get past my fear. I need to get past my fear. I need to get past my fear. Uh, as if the goal was to not be afraid anymore. The goal is not to be, af- is not not be afraid anymore. Mm. The goal is don't be controlled by the fear you feel. That's that for, for me, and I'm not talking about fear of gators or whatever. I'm talking right, about f- yeah. fear that causes us to shrink back from what the Lord wants us to do. Right. Uh, I still experience those fears, but I don't have to be controlled by them. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a clear change or difference. Between I hope so. The two. Yeah, yeah, it's a big difference, and hopefully it helps to think differently about them. Mm-hmm. Um, next question here. How does bringing my sin to Jesus set me free from it? All right, yeah, so we said in the text that Jesus' invitation to bring uh, her sin, her husband, or, you know, it was very interesting. Uh, What would she bring? (laughs) Her first husband, her fifth husband, two, three, four, all five of them, the man she was living with. Mm -hmm. Um, See, again, I don't think it was so much bring a specific person. It was bring that life to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the question was, how does con- bringing our sin to him, whatever it is, set us free from it? Uh, in, in two ways. First of all, uh, Colossians says that when we bring our sin to Jesus, he has taken our sin out of the way, having nailed it to the cross so that our certificate of debt will no longer be counted against us. Hmm. So by bringing our sin to Jesus, the penalty for that sin, which is death, condemnation, is taken out of the way. So I'm set free from the condemnation of sin by bringing it to Jesus because he paid for it. That's the substitutionary death. But I'm also set free from sin when I bring it to Jesus because his death not only paid the penalty for my sin, it broke the power of sin in my life. Uh, I was a slave to sin. And when I am in Christ, I am no longer a slave to sin. So I am Mm -hmm. set free from slavery to sin. Now, that doesn't mean I still don't foolishly go back and yield to the temptation, but I don't have to anymore. Hmm. My slavery to it, to my desires has been... um, Overcome, it's been conquered. So, therefore, bringing it to him, I'm set free from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin. And we actually have someone who tested in, or texted in a little bit of a testimony here. It said, cool. Thanks for the message today. I was an alcoholic for 12 years. In the midst of that, um, in 1990, our, the, sorry, the Holy Spirit of our living God appeared to my heart and told me, You are lost and dying. Come find me and live. I came as I was, but by His grace, the desires of my heart were eternally changed. Such a great testimony. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish everybody in the service could have heard that. Um, Maybe send that to my phone and I'll try and share that next hour. (laughs) I'll do it. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, because that captures the point. It wasn't, hey, break your alcoholism, Mm -hmm. and I will, and then come to me. Right. It's 
bring it to me and I will set you free from it. Uh, I shared with the students this week um, what was kind of hard for my wife to imagine is that, that I had a horrible, horrible, horrible temper, uh, like literally uh, throw things, punch things, kick the dog temper, and um, lots of shame with it. And uh, always kind of regret. Mm. But, the, you know, the nature of sin, I, I won't ask you to confess yours, Tracy, but you, <laughs> you know what it's like to go, uh, I've sinned. And then you have not only the shame of the sin, the shame that you did it again, what you said you weren't going to do again, kind of repetitive sin. Right. Temper was a repetitive sin for me. And mm. so there's an extra shame to repetitive sin. Alcoholism is a repetitive sin in the... And then when we say things and do things and treat people in ways that we never sh- know we that we know we shouldn't have, then then the shame just multiplies. Right. And the invitation that this person indicated was we we bring it to him, and in bringing it to him, bringing my temper to the Lord Jesus, it was not an immediate taken away. Maybe that was true for this alcoholic. That's not usually true. Usually victory is learned over time of, but the, it's that first step of going, I'm going to change my mind to think I need to clean my life up in order to come to Christ. No, I'm going to come as I am, believing that if I come as, if I, come as I am, then he will, he will forgive me. He will change me. And that which has ruined and wrecked my life will be delivered from my life. And I can say with this person, though, that might not seem as a big a deal, but temper can be a big deal. I can imagine uh, marriage, if I still had that temper, parenting, how that would have impacted my parenting had I still had that uh, white hot fire temper so I'm grateful that my wife could say, you know, I don't know that I've ever really experienced Doug yelling at me and my kids certainly experienced discipline from me, but never a, a wrath, never a temper that just mm-hmm. flew off the handle at them and did things that I would regret then later. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, that's, that's the testimony that I hope everybody experiences, that that which used to wreck their life as they consistently, first time, it always starts with the first time, but not end, never ends, of bringing that to the Lord, bringing it to the Lord, bringing it to the Lord, experiencing the change that He can bring in a person's life. And I think it's hard for me, I, I get it's hard to imagine um, the... F- freedom that actually comes from the fact that I don't have to be perfect to come to Christ because I have a tendency to want to control things. And so if I want to control what I'm doing and I want to make myself better before I come to Christ, I cannot like that. I cannot make myself better. And so what freedom there is in that, that I'm a mess. Here I am. You still love me and you're going to continue to love me. It's, it's powerful when you release that and you truly give that to the Lord. It is a change. It is what the Bible calls repentance, a change of mind. And the change of mind is, see, I think one of two things, I I think I either come to God by my good works and Mm -hmm. my lack of bad works, or I come to him as I am. Yeah. And in a story in the New Testament that I think sometimes we 
misunderstand. Jesus clarifies this for a guy who we can call the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good guy. He bring he comes to Jesus and he tells him how good he has been, how the, all the commandments that he has kept. And, and Jesus says, um, if you want to follow me, then do these things yet. Give away all your, he's rich, give away all your possessions. And it's as if it seems like, well, he doesn't, he hasn't done enough yet. Hmm. And we can sometimes interpret that and go, hey, we need to do more. Actually, Jesus is saying, if you come to me on the terms of how good you are, then you have to be perfect. And the man, if you look at it, the man goes away sad because he realized, I can't be perfect. What he needed to do was not be perfect because none of us can be perfect. He needed to repent. He needed to change his mind and go, I do not come to God based on my goodness. I come to God based on my acknowledgement that I will never be good enough and my Mm. bad will never be too bad. That's how we come to God. Yeah. Powerful. It is. It is. Because now suddenly the gospel is uh, an invitation to everybody, not just good people. Who have their life together. Yes. Yes. Which is what we we tend to think. And it's, mm. it keeps so many people away from God because they don't think they could be good enough. And you can't. You don't have to be. It's bring, that's why I love this story. Bring your sin to me. Mm. Uh, next question here. If I know I've been forgiven of my sin, why do I still feel guilt and shame sometimes? Huh. Uh, let me go back to the question about fear and weakness. Uh, the reason I feel guilt and shame sometimes is because I still have a hard time believing I am forgiven. Mm. And even if I say, uh, we we feel things because of what we think generally, right? Mm -hmm. Even if we think wrongly, we might think somebody did something and we feel something badly toward. Here is a classic example. Jackie won't love this one. But sometimes she has bad dreams. Hmm. And then she wakes up and she feels things towards me based, based on her dream. dream. And I'll go, babe, that wasn't true. You need to tell yourself that wasn't true. So you stop feeling the feel, the feelings that you have toward me based on something that didn't really happen. So uh, maybe that was a bad example. But the, the point is we feel what we feel because we think what we think usually. And so when I feel that way, it's most likely that I don't think God has really forgiven me or I think I've used up my forgiveness chips, my forgiveness tokens. He he doesn't forgive me. I know I'm going to sin again, so he's probably not really has not forgiven me again. So tell yourself the truth. First John 1 John 1.9, we closed with it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us. If you have confessed it, he has forgiven you. And, and because you feel like you have it, 
been forgiven doesn't mean you haven't been. It just means you have not yet agreed in your mind with God that if you confess, he will forgive. So continue to tell yourself the truth and your feelings will catch up with the truth. Mm. That's good wisdom. Um, so this one came in from a nine-year-old who texted this and said, how do I know good is in me and I am accepted? Well, uh, I appreciate that question. Um, so let me clarify. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't say good was in you. Um, actually, what we discover is not that good is in us, but that sin is in us. That when we place faith in Christ, then the sin is forgiven and the Spirit of God comes and lives within us. So, if you're a nine-year-old who has trusted in Jesus and believed in Him to be your sin bearer, He has poured His Spirit into you, and so good is in you. But that good is God, not of yourself. So, good is in the person who has trusted in Jesus because God lives within the person. Good is not within the person that is not trusted in Jesus because they are separated from God, far from God, until they trust in Him. So, I hope that clarifies for whatever age. <laughs> yeah, I think Because so. we can tend to think... But I, I hear people see, say, people are basically good. Mm -hmm. Hey, I love my grandkids. They're not basically good. They're basically <laughs> evil. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. Cute grandkids are basically evil. And they need the gracious work of God in their life to be born again. And then they will become, because Christ is in them, Good will dwell within them. That good will begin to work its way out. I remember as a parent with young kids, and you're realizing, oh, there's that sin nature. Yes, yeah. You didn't. I to, didn't you, teach you that. <laughs> just, well, you may have. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But you may have. No, no. We don't have to teach our kids to lie. Yeah. They just lie. We don't need to teach our kids to hit. They just hit. We don't need to teach our kids not to share. We have to teach them to share because at core they're like, I don't want to share. Mine, mine, mine. And so mm -hmm. we see it from the earliest mm -hmm. selfishness. It's built in. So we're not basically good. We're basically evil until Christ redeems us and pours his spirit in us and makes us like him. Mm. So next question here, how does confession change us? Okay, maybe that's a little different than what I've already asked, but um, the the earlier question, how does bringing our sin uh, set us free from it? How does mm -hmm. confession change us? Well, confession changes us. First, let me repeat. Confession changes us because it brings the forgiveness of God into our life. Mm -hmm. But confession in, its, in and of itself, I think actually, it's an interesting question, changes us in terms of it It makes us more honest people. Hmm. There was a time where uh, my confession was limited to things I did wrong. And I, I, I can remember when I realized it wasn't just that I did wrong. It was that I wanted to do wrong. Hmm. 
It wasn't that I was deceived. I wasn't deceived. I wanted to do wrong. And so confession took on a new place in my life of humbling me to recognize that I'm not just a poor soul who gets got deceived by the devil and did stuff I shouldn't have done. Now, I knew I did stuff I shouldn't have done because I wanted to. And confessing then not only my actions, but confessing my desire and my core idolatry to please myself hmm. made me a more honest person. And... um So that was good. It invited the, the work of God in my life in a new way, not only just past my actions, but into my desires. Uh, and I think confession, if I can just take it a step further, First John 1 says um, that two things happen when we confess. First of all, it says if we say we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth of God is not in us. So we... Th- by acting like we don't have sin, we're not being righteous. We're actually proving we really aren't. Uh, and the truth of God is not in us. But then it goes on to say, but if we confess our sins, then we have, it says this, we, have, we walk in the light and we have fellowship with one another. So confession changes me not only before the Lord and not only with me. Confession changes my relationship with others, because when I confess, um, I am more real, Mm -hmm. and therefore maybe we could say more relatable and actually more helpful to one another. Um, I certainly experienced this past week in working with the students that it was in confessing my anger to them, confessing my fear to them, that they could relate most to me and therefore receive the word of God most from Mm -hmm. me uh, because I was not above them but like them. So I think confession changes us and it makes us not only more honest to the Lord, it makes us more real with one another, and it it is the pathway to forgiveness with God and fellowship with one another. It really does. When you said it makes you more real, because then it takes off kind of that idea of perfection. Right. And it really, it's it's raw, it's real. Real community uh, and among believers doesn't happen until someone confesses their sin. Mm, interesting. Because we're just bringing our best to God. That's what we talked about in the message. Mm-hmm. We're just bringing our best, putting on our best. And it's all, it, it's not that it's 100% fake. It's just that it's not real. And so real community when happens when people confess their sin because that's when they are actually real with one another. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a small group and it's all just surface, there is 
a path to going deeper, and it begins by somebody somebody honestly uh, acknowledging not only where they're struggling, but where they fail. It's safe mm. to say where I struggle. It's more real to say, here's where I'm struggling and where I'm failing. Uh, Jackie and I lead a, a young families group, and and it's without doubt uh, the reality is we have to be willing to go first about what's hard in our own marriage when it's hard in our own communication when we mm. miss one another uh, when, when we're willing to share that then other people are willing to share and now community among married couples happens because we were real with one another so mm. that's how confession changes us it's a good question. It was. It's a, good, it's a very good question. Well, as we wrap up here, is there anything you maybe couldn't fit in the message that you would want to share now before we finish? Uh, that's funny. Um, that's funny because uh, I don't know if you thought about this, but actually I spent all week, um, so four sessions, longer session than one session this morning in John 4. So lots a lot I did. that could be added. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I, I, will, I won't add all of that. We have a few minutes. Here's what I shared on the last night that really struck me as unique to this passage. I won't share it, but uh, the way chapter 4 ends was insightful to me in two ways. Uh, first of all, what really struck me about chapter 4 is... That whole town is changed because the testimony of a woman who, a, a woman who was despised and ignored and mistreated and was the outcast became the greatest influencer that city had ever seen. And so it was a privilege to, we had 180 students in the room uh, Thursday night, plus a bunch of other adults as well. So mm -hmm. over 200 folks in the room to, to have all the ladies in the room stand up and to acknowledge the Lord does awesome things through women that sometimes it's. It's communicated as if the Bible mistreats or thinks less of women. Actually, it was the culture that did that, that Jesus lived in, and Jesus gave dignity and worth and impact to women. And that's still true today. So we had spent the week learning about a missionary named Helen Rosevere. We spent the week looking at Jesus interacting with this woman. So it was a real privilege to say to the women at CFC and to any woman that's listening now, the Lord can use you, wants to use you in awesome ways if you will uh, recognize him as a well versus the other buckets that you might want to live out of and if you are willing to bring your sin to him. Second thing that really stood out to me was as great as the woman was in the passage, the disciples were actually boneheads in the past. <laughs> From start to finish, the disciples had one thing on their mind. If you don't believe this, read the text, John chapter 4. They had one thing on their mind, food, food, food. <laughs> food. They just were like, food. They went to get food. They <laughs> came so back funny. with food. They're like, Jesus, why don't you want food? He needs food. food. Yes, it was food, food, food. And in the process, they completely missed all the people who ended up being impacted by Jesus through the woman. 
And so my charge to the guys in the room, and so my charge to myself and any guy listening is this. Men are often prone to miss what the Lord wants to do in them and what the Lord wants to do through them because of their appetites. It's not that it can't be true for women, but in this text, it was true for men. The appetite was food. I'm talking beyond the appetite for food, though gluttony can be appetite for food. Appetite for drink can obviously cause men to miss what God would have for them. When I was a student uh, in Bible college, a professor synthesized it this way for us. He said, guys, there are three primary things that will cause you to miss out on what God has for you. So beware of gold. Our love for money can cause us to miss what the Lord has for us. Beware of glory. Our desire for fame to make a name for ourselves, to do something great could cause us to miss what the Lord has for us. Gold, glory, and then third was girls. It's our appetite for women, like was true in the life of Solomon, that can cause guys to lose their path, go off their path, stray into the path of what we see so true in our present today with sexual sin that will cause them to miss what God wants to do in and through them. So, guys, beware of appetite for gold, glory, girls that would cause you to miss what the Lord would have for you. And women believe that God can do awesome things through you. That, that was what was really um, valuable, important, uh, eye-opening for me from the end of John chapter 4 that we didn't talk about today. Hmm. And there was a powerful moment on Thursday night, um, being in the room yeah. when you had the women stand, myself there, but also my daughter was yeah. in the room and thinking cool. about there are a lot of other moms with daughters in that room. Right. And then to all stand, it was really Yeah, a and to pray for y'all and to say, Lord, yeah. do a great work. Change cities through these girls. And then to have the guys stand. And, yes. I, and I read scripture to the guys that told them to beware of love of money, beware of pride, and beware mm. of sexual sin. Read scriptures to them that they would believe. So uh, I hope that would be true for anyone listening as well. It's a great charge and a great challenge. So um, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And again, if you have questions about CFC this week or you have questions about the sermon, would you let us know? Um, you can reach out to us through info at cfcjacks.com. It'd be a privilege to answer any questions or however we can serve you or pray for you this week. I really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.